Yeah, they had us the first half, I'm not gonna lie. Oh, could be Wayne! I think I got my swagger back. Oh, oh! I love it, baby! Them orange britches! Something about them orange britches! Ball hit high in the air in the right field, going back to Sayre, and Tennessee can say hello win column. A grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. You can't draw it up any better. We just won a basketball game, and we're very happy right now. I made up my mind, and I don't expect to ever look back. I'm going to stay at the University of Tennessee. Yeah! Rid it, did to do, and welcome into more important issues. It is Thursday, June 30th. It's almost July. I almost slipped up. Almost, I, I guess it technically is summer now. I think last weekend was the start of summer. It is hot as crap. But anyways, what's up, everybody? I'm Caleb. With me always, Landon. And we've got Joe in the booth tonight. We'll call it a booth. <laughs> sound cool. Um, the accent wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's great. <laughs> We are, we're, I know it's kind of, it was so weird. So I'll probably watch, did you watch any of the NHL final, the Stanley Cup? Uh, no. So I'll probably watch three periods and now I'm mad that we have nothing. It's, I mean, I guess I could watch baseball. I don't care. But I went to like turn something on tonight before the show and there's nothing on. This is the truly the dog days of summer. Um, I'm excited, though. We do get to talk football. We, we do have a guest coming on tonight. Uh, you guys know him, love him. Eric Kane. Is he the sports animal? We're going to call him that. I he, mean, he does everything, so he pretty much is the sports animal. 100%. So, yeah. Yeah, great guy. Sorry, um, you hear the face. So I face, someone tried to FaceTime me. It came up on my computer. Oh, so no. It was, it, yeah, it happens to me pretty often. You can't hear it. That's a good thing. No one else can hear it. <laughs> Perfect. I don't. I don't. I, I freezed out of there. But yeah, we're excited to get Eric Kane on, and we're gonna we're gonna talk some some vol football, um, even some more vol baseball as well. And it, it is like I said, it's slow, but uh, Tennessee baseball got some good news this week. I, I mean, well, one's good news, like actual good news, and one is probably gonna it's probably gonna happen anyway. Like we're good. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, are, are we just getting right into it? Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking baseball was first. Um, so let's, yeah, let's that, do baseball we'll recruiting before we talk to Eric Can. I'm sure we'll talk a lot cool. of recruiting and football with him. So, yeah. Um, so if y'all have any questions, drop those in the chat. I know we had one earlier today. So before we end up, um, you know, switching over to football, make sure we get to that because it is about baseball. Um, yeah, Frank Anderson, turn them down. What's crazy is like he has so much experience in the big 12 mm-hmm. and apparently he got offered a, a raise which you know i'm not sure exactly what he gets paid i know it, it's it's over two hundred thousand as his base salary so the you know floating was a lot of money from texas like i said rumor no yeah, yeah. I, I saw Seems somebody put 800k i'm like 800k <laughs> if i'm making 200 you offer me 800k to shovel shit i'm shoveling right. shit there was, I can't remember what it was. There was the absurd 800K, but there there was a, I mean, it was four or five. Like, it was still a significant pay raise. Right. So, it, it was, I mean, truly 
knowing what they have. Frank believes in what Tony Vitello is doing. It's that simple. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's no secret that, that he's an older gentleman. Um, <laughs> now, I don't. I mean, he could coach for a hundred years like Nick Saban, but um, you know, it just seems like he wants to be here. He's got the train rolling. You know, when he got here, there wasn't. I mean, not to diminish anybody in, in their career, but there wasn't a lot of talent on the mound for Tennessee. So, you know, yeah, the overhaul there, you know, having the talent just explode and, you know, having probably the best pitching rotation in the country this season. And two of those guys are freshmen, one was a sophomore. You get all those guys back. I mean, it just – why would you leave, really? Yeah. Unless unless it is 800K. (laughs) Yeah, probably going to that. Um, No, it's like you – I mean – he has a lot going too, just in his own um, position. So that that certainly helps too. But um, I got to think if you turn down, I mean, I guess both those numbers could be false. It could have been not much of a pay raise for all we know, I guess. Um, but yeah, if you're turning down money, so let's let's pretend he is in our world right now, then you you truly got to believe in what you're doing because he can obviously like Texas. You could go and recruit at just like you would be able to build that up pretty right. quickly if you're as good as you seem. Um, and it's obvious a lot of people believe in him. So, yeah, I mean, I think it says a lot about this program and where, where it's at, and just the the train is on the tracks for sure in that program. Um, everybody's going in one direction. It, you know, it, it, it lo- everything looks good right now. I, I know it ended not the way we wanted to, but I am still believe it's on the right track. Yeah, and, you know, a guy like Frank Anderson who has, you know, what, 40 years of experience coaching, um, I mean, for him to just kind of be a he, – he's been a head coach. He's been a pitching coach. Um, you know, put multiple guys in the MLB and, you know, is a great recruiter and, you know, relationship-wise knows pretty much everybody in the business. For him to kind of – for, for him to trust a first-time head coach like Tony Vitello and join Tennessee staff in the direction the program was in, I mean, he he 100% believes Tony Vitello is a stud. Yeah, and I'd be interested, and this is a little bit about Frank too, um, but at the coaching staff as a whole, you, you talked about how he has to have trust in Tony. I, I think it – I think it – I mean, we, and we've talked to um, Ross Kivett, who used to coach under under Vitello and, and Richard Jackson and um, and Chad Zerker too and, and a couple other people close to the program, and it truly looks like he has – Tony has a ton of trust in the people around him too. Which you don't find everywhere. I don't. I'm sure Tony makes the the head decisions. Um, I'm I'm sure he makes them, but I, I'm sure he also gets a lot of input. We, I mean, we we've talked about how he has, and he's talked about how he's leaned on um, Frank because, like you said, he's a first time head coach, and he's kind of been around the business and done it all. So, I mean, that's a, obviously a, a big crutch for him, and uh, I don't know if crutch is the right word, but something to lean on and, and help him. But yeah, I think I think it's more it's more than just trust trust in the guy. It's also you know the guy trusts you, and that, that keeps you around. Yeah, no, those two just seem to to click. Um, they're they're scary, pretty similar. <laughs> yes, yes, but it, but it's more like a like a father and son kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going to have each other's backs, and again, I just keep going back to the fact that he kind of left the Big Twelve 
and joined a staff that, you know, Tennessee was a terrible program, let's be honest, and a first-year head coach. You're going to get called a one-year a one-year fan here soon, Landon. Keep it up. <laughs> I mean, I was there. I was at the games. I know how bad they were. I saw it firsthand. Um, yeah, for him, for him to, you know, put all of his trust in Tony Vitello, just kind of Vitello's just off of vision. I mean, you, yeah. you have nothing really else to go off of besides – you know, you being an assistant coach at other places, but for him to kind of drop everything like that and, and join this league and join the staff, I, I think that, you know, kind of speaks not not only to Frank for him to, to put his trust in Tony Vitello, but also Tony Vitello is a great salesman to sell that vision to uh, yeah. a guy as tenured as, as Frank Anderson. Yeah, let's hope he's more than a salesman. Let's hope he – I trust in him. Let's hope he gets it done. Yeah. More good news, though, in, in terms of coaching staff. Um uh, golly, I almost Quentin. Uh, how do you say his last name? Everhart. I'll, why do I almost call him? What Nylander? It's just Q. It was close to Nylander. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I figure we'll drop his whole name. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Returned to Knoxville. He joined uh, that staff in 2017 as well. So kind of one of the same. Trusted that vision of Tony Vitello and um, Q had been in you know the minor leagues a number of years. I forget exactly how many before he joined Tennessee and then, you know, turned down a bunch of jobs while he was here. You know, he was, you know, detriment to that program and and, and the success that it had. I mean, every time during a press conference, you listen to Tony Vitello, he mentions um, Quentin Everhart and, you know, how great he's been and, you know, how much um, he meant he, he means to this program. So getting a guy like that, he took that job, uh, for the Cubs in um, in January of this year, so right before the season, and um, you know, I, I think a lot of the a lot of this year was kind of just hey, keep that train rolling. Mm. You know, when Q was gone, um, you know, the Cubs didn't have a good year. I don't know if that had anything to do with him coming back, but it is great to see a guy like that who had, um, you know, put in so much work, and you know, you see guys all over Tennessee's roster that have benefited from um, Q and his strength and conditioning program. You know, a guy like Trey Lipscomb, um, Luke Lipsius. I mean, even look at Drew Gilbert and Jordan Beck from their freshman year to now. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's okay. it's insane. A lot of guys have turned into dudes. Um, Jared Dickey is probably in that same category. Right. And I think you – I mean, I think you do got to give some credit to him still with this freshman class, just because, like you said, and obviously Richard Jackson, who kind of took over that role, and they didn't have a dedicated guy this year. And I think that's going to make a difference. And, and I mean, nothing against Richard Jackson at all. I mean, but that wasn't necessarily why you were there. So, obviously, it became a duty. Yeah, basically, they kind of got a guy from, like, Anderson Training training Center to kind of do the strength and conditioning. So, it was – Kind of a fill-in, an interim, I guess. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw shade at whoever that actually was. I don't even know the name of them. Um, but the fact that they get their head guy back, I think is I think Q's official title is director of baseball sports performance. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, he was a he was a really good player. I think he played um, junior college in Norfolk State. I'm pretty sure, um, but it was all conference and. So he he knows what it's what it takes to be a really good player and you know obviously coach a lot of guys in the minors so knows what it takes to get there and um it, it's kind of spilled over and this roster is, is full of 
you know, kind of his success a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm excited to see him back. I, I think um, great asset to the, the baseball program. So, yeah, good to get. Are, are we just getting the band back together? When's Kiff coming back? My <laughs> third paid assistant. He'll give him a director role. That sounds like what, we, what you got to do to get guys paid. Give him a director role. <laughs> yeah. Let's um. Let, not let's cash. Not Chad's. Yeah, another director role. Let, let's cash in that um raise that uh. Frank was going to get. Let's give it to pay some of these assistants a little bit more. Yeah, would love to see it. I, I am interested to see how the, especially if like a third paid assistant comes along. Which Tennessee, uh, they're dead. I mean, Danny White's obviously dedicated to the program. I think they're really trying to bring money in through baseball now. Um, another revenue source, but I, I, I so I mean, I'm interested to see what the numbers are in coaching salaries, especially if you yeah. get a third. If you get a third, it gets more interesting. Yeah, we do have a question regarding baseball from Patrick Eady. Patrick, really appreciate you uh, submitting this, and uh, yeah, good to good to hear from you again. Been a minute. Um, he asked any transfer baseball players coming in or going out besides Mali Ahuna. Um, I, I think transfer portal wise, Tennessee, I think has one officially in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's rumors or some other, you know, freshmen. Nobody big. You know, I'm. I would be surprised if you see somebody like a starter or somebody who had a significant role enter the transfer portal. But uh, Nathan Smith, a, a freshman catcher, is in the transfer portal. You know, I've heard some rumors of some freshman pitchers as well. Um, but until I see their name, I'm not going to sit here and say they're in it when I don't know. So, um, other than that, you know, that, that's really good to see. You don't have a ton of names in there. That means everybody's kind of bought into this program and. You know, maybe some maybe some of those freshmen. I don't know how you really expected to have much of an impact, unless you're like Chase Burns or Drew Beam. I mean, the the thing is, like freshmen played, so it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. But um, you know, coming off a a trip to Omaha, I don't know really how you expect to have much of an impact as a freshman, um, unless you're a highly touted guy. But um. Or maybe they just saw the writing on the wall. Hey, I'm probably never going to play here. So, um, right. Who knows? But uh, as far as transfers um, coming in, um, there, there's been some names out there. Um, Paul Skeens, Air Force utility player, is pitcher, catcher. Um, that's somebody they've had on campus. Um, other than that, I, I think. Mil, uh, Reggie Crawford, I think, from UConn, a pitcher. Um, I think he had Tommy John last year, but was all-conference performer the year before. You know, we'll see how healthy he is. I, I, I mean, I've heard that name. I've also heard um, maybe a player from uh, East Rival. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can kind of put two and two together. I mean, look who you're losing at third base, and okay. um, you know, if you look at where he's from and everything like that, it kind of makes sense. All right. Interesting. Keep your eyes open. Yeah. Um, that's kind of all I got for for baseball. Um, 
You know, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about it with Eric Kane here in a second, but let's switch over to football a little bit. So we got some dates coming up for, for some recruits. At first, I want to ask you, what do you think the, the Stranger Things video we just saw on the football account is? What do you think it is about Stranger Things landing? Yeah, of course. <laughs> God. If one more person tweets, it's about Stranger Things on my tweet, I'm literally going to lose my mind. <laughs> um, I have no idea what it's about. That Just a, just a guess. Can I get a guess? I, I don't I don't I don't know. I, Dang it, Caleb. I mean, do you have a good guess? I was thinking maybe um maybe Francis just dressed as a demi gorgon making his commitment video. I don't know. Is he a big Stranger Things fan? Could it could it be that? Could still, it be we're still a couple days out from the fourth though, so well, it said it's getting a little strange. I mean, <laughs> that'd be a little too early for a. a, a I, I don't know. That's 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 risky there. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess the the real guess is uniforms, right? Mm, I guess. Yeah. I need to go watch it again. Was it all just black and black and white? Yeah, is it black helmets. We get black helmets. Maybe I got get some I chrome still, helmets, dude. I still don't buy that bull crap about suppliers. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. Moving on, I won't be negative. <laughs> Negaval Caleb is logged on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would like to see black helmets, that'd be cool. No, I, I I would love black. I would especially the black uniform. I, I think they made the most of the white. I, I like the stripe. Uh, I thought it looked good, so I'm not mad about how it ended up. But I, the uniform would have looked infinitely better if we had. Also, like hot take a little bit, kind of like um the orange jersey and black pants. Yeah, you need black helmets if you're gonna do that. It doesn't look good with the white. Yeah, 100%. Even with the black stripe, it doesn't look good. Yeah, I agree with that. I would have loved to see a white, black. Well, first off, the black jersey needs an outline. It looks does not look good with just the orange. Yeah. It so let me get these. Um, I'm sure Kane's about to get on here in a second. So recruiting-wise, Francis, um, Malagoa, I, I'm guessing that's right. Five-star offensive lineman um, will make his commitment on July 4th. Uh, three, four-star, whatever, you know, website you're looking at, athlete Christian Conyer um, will make his decision on July 3rd. Um, three-star defensive end Tari Weathersby will make his decision on July 1st, which is tomorrow. And then you got five-star 2024 edge Jonathan Eccles will make his decision on the 4th as well. So four guys um, – I would think Tennessee has a good shot at all four of those guys. Yeah, I mean, and it's good just to be in the mix uh, with some of them. Uh, obviously, yeah. with others, you'd really like to see a landing, um, just because, like we talked about with the expectations. But for a lot, or for a few of the guys, it's just good right now to be in the mix. And maybe yeah. may go, maybe maybe go win some games. It's just commitment. No one's signing an NLI tomorrow or Monday. Yeah, I would think the only. The, the two that are kind of up for debate a little bit would be Francis and, and Christian Conyer. Um, but, again, I think they're the top two in that in the race. They're definitely are for Christian Conyer. His is Tennessee and Kentucky. Francis, I, I would say probably Miami and, and, and Tennessee are, are probably up there 
Maybe throw in USC as well. Let's see where the NIL. See where the NIL money's at. Yeah, Miami we, and Tennessee. And we got plenty of for five stars. We got plenty of. Yeah. What about that video of the Texas A and M guy? Yeah. Wow. Um. We just throw it out there, bud. <laughs> I mean, I whatever. Like, cool. Let's I mean, here, here's the right here's here. the thing. I mean, you make Jimbo look really dumb when you do something like that. Yeah, and it wasn't. You know, it wasn't. If he had been like, hey, look at that suite. They got $10,000 waiting on you. I think it would have been worse for Jimbo. I don't think it's that bad because everyone knows. Right, they know. You just – Like everyone knows, like everyone everyone knows. Hey, maybe it could have been a, a little bit longer um, before <laughs> that video comes about. Yeah, no, I it, whatever. I mean, hey, I don't think it was a – I don't think it was a glaring – it wasn't egregious. No, it wasn't outright <laughs> offering someone money. <laughs> they right. Signed something that day, agreeing to go to AM. Um, but no, it, it was, hey, I love, you got to talk about something in summer. Yeah. Which I meant to tell you, after Eric Kane gets on and may I even ask him his thoughts, we need to talk about the uh, ACC and maybe even Big Ten, which is, what is the Big Ten doing? Nothing. That's, that's, we'll add in UCLA and, USC potentially, or was that? See, was that a troll? I was like, "Who's that from?" Your guess is as good as mine. Because so, I didn't do any research on it, I just saw that one tweet, and then I saw a couple like tweets making fun of it. UCLA and USC to join Big Ten in two thousand four, demolishing Pac twelve. That was from USA Today. What does that mean? Demolishing uh- Pac twelve. I mean, I just think they want to get away from it, and I don't – I mean, the Pac-12 is just crap. Yeah, but what – I? But I, I don't get the Big the Big Ten. The, the Pac-12 – yeah, I don't get the move to the Big Ten. The Pac-12, I think they're it's – it's not a great conference, but I also think it's tough to be great in that conference. You don't get – you're just never – you're never going to get as much TV exposure. It's impossible. Yeah. A seven o'clock game. If you play seven o'clock, which they shouldn't be playing, it seems like some of those games start later than like eight o'clock. Um, but you're never going to start. I guess, yeah. I, I mean, because you can't you can't play new games. Yeah, you can't play yeah. Games. They really got to come over here and play at nine a.m. Yeah. So I, their I, time. I think they get put in a tough position. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. Because like it, you, so the the earliest you can kick off is three p.m. Eastern. Which is where most, statistically speaking, the largest population of people in the country are. Mm-hmm. So you get put in a tough position, I think, right, right from the get go, um, in terms of exposure. But yeah, I mean, I don't think the Pac-12 helps themselves either. Yeah, but, they're also the most laughable conference, anyway. So you know, losing USC and UCLA, I, I just think, I mean, that makes them even worse. <laughs> the, those are probably two of the three best teams in that conference. Uh, certainly in the last 10 years, yeah, which isn't yeah. good because they haven't been good. Well, right. yeah, Washington, Oregon. Washington, maybe four. Uh, who'd you have in your three? I had Oregon, UCLA, USC. Yeah, I did too. But you could probably put Washington up there what, as well. You could probably put Washington above UCLA. Um, and they also got, in the last couple years in, in uh, major sports, uh, Arizona. Yeah, definitely not in football. Um, Stanford, yeah, they, they, Stanford, they maybe some. Yes, yeah, not since McCaffrey left, but really since um, yeah, yeah definitely fair. 
Um, Stanford had a couple years, but it's it's been a while since they were good in just football. They've, they've never been great in any well women's basketball. Yeah. Um, Arizona had like two years. They were okay. They competed in the Pac-12, which isn't again not good for the Pac-12. They weren't good. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what you do. I, I would like it, it to be an option where SEC teams could play in the Rose Bowl. I think that'd be really cool. So if that yeah. makes that happen, hey, cool with it. For sure. Um, we may come back to this. We may even have that drop a question in for Eric Kane, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get Eric Kane in here. We uh excited to have him on. Um let's see here. Here we go. Oh, sorry. I don't know if Let's try this one more time. Eric Kane, maybe? Yeah, hi, there, there he is. is. Oh, Sorry. That's, my man. Uh, I messed that up. How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well, guys. Uh, how are y'all doing? Good. Making it really through summer. Good. Did you bring your helmet? <laughs> no, my <laughs> helmet is at my childhood home right now, so I couldn't, uh, couldn't quite go get that one, but uh, gotcha. I did get your tweet. Could, couldn't make your way up to 11E. Get that real quick. I didn't have 35 minutes to spare today. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, Kane, like, uh, been up to a lot always. VolQuest, Locked on Vols. I saw where you um, got to interview Tennessee's uh, coordinators, Alex Golish and uh, Tim Banks. What kind of impressed you about those two guys? Yeah, it's great to talk to those guys. And, you know, you see those guys, obviously, in media settings. And then, you know, when we've been over there, you know, covering these prospect camps this summer, you get to, you know, kind of talk with them off the record a little bit. So that's been really, really cool. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks in the making trying to get those guys on the show because I mean, it's wild. I mean, you guys know this, but they are they are so busy all the time. By the way, anybody who wants to coach in college, you're you're crazy. I mean, you're yeah. just like you have no life. Um, but able to get those two guys kind of at the end of their uh, summer term before the coaches are off for a couple of weeks going on vacation. So it was really good to talk to them. You know, Alex Goish, he'll, he'll, he'll talk um, a lot of good things. And he had a lot of good things to say about Hendon Hooker and how he's stepping up to become a leader on this team and how it's different this year because it's his team, you know, and, and that, that was not the case coming into last year. Right. And it eventually became his team. And so that was good to hear and a good to hear about some, some running backs that are stepping up and getting better in this off season in the offensive line. And then talk with Tim Banks yesterday and to ask him about uh, kind of going level by level of the defense and, you know, the secondary, how there's so many different question marks, but how he feels confident in the, the group of guys that he has back there that, They've got numbers. They just got to find, you know, four or five to get in there and stick and uh, his confidence level in that group and in the defensive fronts and how it's going to be a, a strength by, you know, numbers instead of just having a couple of guys like last year. So it was great talking about those guys and I really appreciate their time. Yeah. And, and, and very, you know, I'm very interested to see this next step that the staff makes, but I don't, I don't like Landon asking you these professional questions, trying to lead you in to the one we're going to ask. What's Tennessee's record this year? That's that, that's the <laughs> What's Tennessee's record? We're asking right off the bat. Uh, all right. So <laughs> I've been pretty consistent in saying that I believe Tennessee will be eight and four. Um, because I because I mean I know you know we've 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 watched football. We know football. We've seen it long enough to where you know Tennessee's going to you know stumble somewhere where it shouldn't. Right. Mm. Um. I think it can absolutely beat Florida. In fact, I'm picking Tennessee to beat Florida. And and we're all crazy because I'm sure you guys are as well. But you look at these two teams, and there's no excuse for Tennessee not to beat Florida this year. But Tennessee very well could lose that game. Tennessee uh, could lose at LSU. Tennessee could. People are going to like saying this or be saying this, but Kentucky's a good ball club. They are a good ball club. I mean, that's going to be a challenge. And so 
I'm already kind of penciling in losses, um, you know, writing it with a pen for Alabama for sure and Georgia. Those are two losses. And then, you know, Tennessee, I, I kind of have at LSU a loss right now. And then I, I feel like Tennessee probably will just stumble somewhere else along the way. But, I mean, this team has the potential, in my opinion, to be 9-3. and three. I mean, you go out there, you should win at Pitt. Again, you should beat Florida. You, you're better than Kentucky. You beat this Kentucky team that – you know, lost a little bit from last year, but returns a lot of the same power. You already beat this team on the road last year, and you played just horrible defense that game. So, uh, eight and four, nine and three will not shock me, but I'm going to say eight and four to be safe because I still am concerned about the depth in certain position groups. But I think it's going to be a lot of the same. A lot of good offense, defense coming around and getting better. Another win uh, in the column, and you know, we'll kind of see you know how big of a step this year is. So uh, how long is it going to take you to convince Brent Hubs that uh, Tennessee's beaten Florida? <laughs> he, <laughs> he will not change his stance on that until, and to his credit, I mean, he's been in all those games, right? Yeah. Right. Um, until Tennessee beats Florida, he will not change, and I respect that. Uh, but gosh, I mean, again, Anthony Richardson's going to be a headache. He's going to be a good quarterback, obviously. There's talent there, and I think Billy Napier's a good coach. But, I mean, if it's not right now, then, like, when is it, right? Tennessee should beat Florida uh, this year. Man, I'm just beating that drum here today. I didn't, I didn't mean to come on here and do this. It's a tree <laughs> hey, on the yeah, we love it. We love well, it. I think, I, think that's, I think this season could be a weird one. I think Tennessee does take a step in the right direction, but I think Florida could be a slip-up, and then mm. something like an LSU could be a win because I think this team is going to be good. But I think, like you said, it, there's going to be times they stumble and they shouldn't. And I think Florida, just because of the history, probably is that game, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, we we got questions, right? I mean, Tennessee's losing Bayless Jones, who was incredible. Tennessee's losing Javante Payton, who had 18 receptions last year, six of which were touchdowns. I mean, that that's a that's a lot of production in a short amount of uh, your know, volume, right? Um, you, you're losing those two guys. You've got to replace them. Jalen Hyatt had a great spring, and everybody's talking great about Jalen Hyatt, and you expect him to step up in that slot, but you got to see it. Brew McCoy. Um, a lot of question marks surrounding him just in terms of he hasn't played an awful lot. The potential's always been there, but can he be that guy to step up? And if not him, you know, who else in the cover? Could it be Ramel Keaton? Could it be Jimmy Holiday? Could it be maybe a Caleb Webb? Got a lot of questions at receiver. Running back, I feel a little bit better about. I think it's going to be strength in numbers there. But then you got that secondary, man. I mean, I just – I don't know who plays where. That's the biggest question mark. Um, and, and, you know, really, I, I, I'm a betting man, so I would say – the same two safeties are out there game one. And I bet you Warren Burrell's out there game one. Outside of that, I'm not sure. And then game two, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, you've got guys like Christian Charles that's going to play somewhere. Kamal Haddon's going to play, in my opinion. What about these newcomers and and Wesley Walker and Andre Tarantine? A lot of questions with this team. So, you know, we'll just have to see exactly how the season plays out. But you're right. I mean, at LSU's going to be tough. Florida will be tough. Kentucky's a good ball, a ball team. How big of a step can you take from last year to this year? Yeah, we're actually going to LSU, so if that, you know, sways your position on that game. <laughs> that will be a fun game. I um, It's, it's probably going to be an afternoon game. I don't think they've made that official yet, to my knowledge, but that's the same night Alabama and Texas A&M, so that's probably going to get the night wow. game. Yeah. Um, but if you can avoid LSU on the road at night, you're probably in good shape. But, I mean, that's a talented team, too. They can rush the passer. I think Jaden Daniels is a good quarterback. They've got a great wide receiver. And they have a really good coach. He's a horrible human being, but they have a really good coach. <laughs> Stay away from recruits, Brian Kelly. Good yeah. Lord. Weird. <laughs> um, so, I mean, kind of, you know, go going back to that, like interacting with recruits, what has kind of impressed you with this staff 
in in terms of recruiting because you know when they got hired i mean that was a huge question is like can this group recruit and uh i mean it, it looks like on paper they've done a pretty good job yeah there was some outrage i guess it was when carnell tate elected to go to ohio state i mean it was uh, the sky is falling mentality and i just I, i'm kind of sitting there and i'm like you know what are we doing here like you're not going to get every player and, and i know it hurts because carnell tate was I mean, Tennessee was right there, and and Tennessee was quite frankly was the leader for a long time in that one, and you know, a tremendous talent. But you know, for that one case in particular, I know you're asking, you know, overall, but I mean, why wouldn't you want to go play for Brian Hartline right now, seeing what he's done, putting guys in the league? So I mean, you get it, right? Um, but I think the staff's doing a really nice job. You got work to do, you got to close, but you know, being in the con- and Nico has something to do with it as well. But you know, being this far into it with Francis uh, Mowing Oa coming in super late, mind you. Uh, and, and being one of the top, you know, two schools when he makes his deci- decision here in a couple of days, being in it with, uh, you know, some of these other guys that, um, you, you know, you might not have been in that conversation for last year, certainly. And, and of course, you were with Pruitt, but then again, you had to hit the reset button. So I think the relationships and, and kind of how they evaluate, they sit down, they watch film with these guys, they they recruit their families. And, you know, that's not reinventing the wheel here. But when I talk to these kids, they say like, "Hey, they call and they talk to my parents," and 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 that means a lot to me. And so uh, they're just kind of doing some different things. And I, I think the relationship part of it's obviously huge. And you know, kind of how they talk to them, get them on campus, and you know, starting early with these prospect camps, getting them back on for a couple of games in the fall. I mean, Jeremiah T. Lander, he was on campus probably seven times before he committed to Tennessee. You know, last week. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're doing a good job. They got work to do. They got to close. But I mean, this class is going to be uh, a pretty decent one, in my opinion. We'll see if they can sneak back there in the top ten. But you, you land a guy like Nico, you're not going to have a bad class. Hundred percent. Right. And and how much of the recruiting is still you're you're just selling kind of a vision because you know you're you're still technically in year one. Um, year two hadn't started yet. Obviously, I'm sure a lot of last year when the staff started recruiting, it's a lot of, well, go win games and, and prove what you're doing. Mm-hmm. How much of that is still relying on this year? Because, I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that you could lose if you don't win and, and probably a few guys that maybe you get back in it late if you do win ball games. Yeah, nothing helps more than winning games. Uh, absolutely. And I, you saw that last year, I felt like, you know, with mm-hmm. with Justin Williams-Thomas, with Tyree West, with James Pierce. And you keep in mind, those are three guys and I've been I've been saying this the last couple of weeks. You know, those are three guys that this time last year we didn't know who they were, right? I mean, we, we really yeah. didn't. And they jumped into the boat, and those were three huge signing day gets for Hype on this staff, and you know, propelled them inside the top ten. And, and so I thought that was just incredible. Basically, getting your start in February, being behind the eight ball, a lot of these in-state cl- uh, kids. I mean, there was only one guy that came in state last year, if if I'm remembering correctly, and that was Elijah Herring, or two with Cam Miller. And, you know, getting behind so late and finishing where you were, I thought that was huge. But a lot of the prospects I talk to now, they say, hey, it went from they're telling us their vision. They're telling us what they did at UCF. They're telling us what's going to happen. They're telling us to go watch film of this guy. Then we saw it last year. We saw Hinton Hooker go out there. We saw the developments in Cedric Tillman. We saw the defense, though it had its struggles. We saw it set a program record for 103 tackles for loss or whatever. So, a lot of it now is they're saying, you know, we they, they were telling us about it. We saw it happen last year, and now we're kind of, you know, fully engaged. So I do think that does make a difference. But you're exactly right. Winning cures all. If Tennessee goes there and wins some games this year, uh, they're going to hold on to a lot. They're going to attract some more. If you lose some, unfortunately, you're going to lose some. But, hey, that's, that's recruiting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at this class a little bit more. What, in your opinion, is probably the biggest position of need? 
Well, right now it's got to be, uh, it's got to be cornerback, right? And then, you know, a huge, huge commitment announcement coming up is at the, I think it's the third with with Christian Conyer, right? And that's yep. that's Tennessee, Kentucky, man, and, and that's another one like Carnell say. Tennessee has been in the driver's seat for so long, and if that one goes south, well, technically if that one goes north, uh, <laughs> that will not be good for Tennessee uh, in the public perception for sure. But I like where Tennessee's at in that one. I, I, I truly do. Um, but quarterback's a big one. So you got Christian Conyer, say he commits to Tennessee, that'd be a huge get. Say if he doesn't, or even if he does, you got guys like Jakeem Jackson and Jordan Matthews who are on campus uh, for official visits this past weekend. Those two guys are going to be critical staying involved with those two guys. Uh, running back's very, it's kind of puzzling, right? So, I mean, there were some good guys in this class, but they're they're kind of all gone. There was a couple of them. It's a little top-heavy. I'm not big on this running back class. Tennessee has one running back commit in Will Stallings, which – um, he's built like a guy that can run in the SEC. He'll be a developmental player. But I think if Tennessee's able to land a guy like Cam Selden, who will play some receiver, who will play some running back, that will go a long way. So uh, you got to get offensive tackles. And, you know, Francis is going to make his commitment to either Tennessee, Miami, or or U, uh, USC uh, in the coming days. And that would be huge. But guys like, um, you know, uh, Lucas Simmons and, and Stan Rammel and, uh, the the German guy, I can't pronounce his name, Shamarad or whatever his name is, yeah. uh, offensive tackle, quarterback, and running back. Those are some positions to where I'm like, all right, Tennessee's got to start making some moves here before you know it's it's getting too late to where you're going to miss out on some guys. So Cam Seldon, you know, if if he ends up going, to, I guess it's between us and, and Penn State, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wh- what what does Tennessee do from there? Is Deshaun like like what is the deal with the Deshaun Bishop? thing yeah it's interesting man um for a long time it was kind of you know wait and see um Deshaun didn't look to be in 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 too big of a rush there at one point or another Tennessee was kind of slow playing it a little bit I think that process will continue on you know somebody asked me the other day if if they believe that he was a take at Tennessee right now and I'm not I'm not I'm not too sure I I don't know um to answer that question uh but you know as long as he's not committed and Tennessee continues to go on throughout this recruiting class you know, we'll see if he has a big old senior year, maybe they, you know, start recruiting him a little bit more, you know, in the fall. And and that wouldn't be out of the ordinary. He's a Knoxville guy. I'm sure he would, I'm sure his family would love him to stay right here in Knoxville. You know, we'll see on that one. That one's been kind of a, a little weird, but uh, to your point, I mean, again, you got one running back, which is big. You know, if you land Cam Selden, that alleviates some of the pressure to go and find a running back right now. But I still just overall think that, uh, you know, it's, it's on Deshaun and, and to, to see what his senior season's like. He's a really, really good talent. I mean, we know this. We we watch him here locally. We put his games on TV. He is very talented. So, you know, we'll There's see. No I, he doesn't have a big senior year, right? I mean, the dude's a freak. Yeah, and I mean, he's going to get the ball 45 times a game. So, you know, <laughs> you know he's going to find the end zone a couple of times. So Is that not you know, so refreshing at the high school? You've watched a lot of high school games, and I'm sure yeah. you've watched coaches outcoach themselves more often than not. Finally, a team that's like, we're just going to give it to the guy that can win us ball games. We're here to yeah. win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, get, put put him out there at quarterback, let him run, wildcat, running back, throwing the football. I mean, that's that's what Carnes does with him, and you're exactly right. It's so refreshing. Find the Division One player on the field and give him the football, especially <laughs> here at East Tennessee, and that's what Carnes does with Deshaun Bishop. It's not rocket science. Yeah. <laughs> um. So besides Gardner, what other kind of Tennessee staff members have you been impressed with um, not just on recruiting trail, but maybe, um, you know, maybe in, in media settings or, or whatever, just kind of your interaction with them. Who's kind of really impressed you? 
Brian John Marie, I feel like deserves. I mean, I don't know what he's making. I'm sure we can look it up, but he, he deserves to get a big old raise after last year. Like, was was the linebacker group good last year? No, it wasn't. I mean, you have one good guy who, by the way, developed into a nice player, Jeremy Banks. Um, but you had two guys that, you know, to put it bluntly, shouldn't be playing at this level consistently, right? You know, should be you know backup level players. And mm-hmm. and Tennessee was able to hang on with those three guys all year long. So from a coaching perspective, I've been really impressed with Brian John Marie. Um, you know, just being around interacting with some of these coaches, it's limited. I'm not acting like I'm best friends with these guys, but uh, you know, Jerry Mack is is a really down the earth guy talking with him. Alex Golish again is is a really cool guy to talk to. I mean, even Josh Heupel, like I I, I kid you not, like we were over there uh, for a prospect camp. It was the day Tennessee lost to um to Notre Dame and, and the season, you know, baseball and the season was over. And I was actually at the camp. I went over to the stadium to do a stand-up with Ben on the field. And I came back and, you know, Heupel and Tim Banks, and they all came over and said, hey, what's going on over there? What happened? And we just sat there and talked Tennessee baseball for 20 minutes. I mean, that's they're just down-to-earth guys. They're really, really cool guys. They have a lot going on, um, of course. But I've been impressed with all those guys. Heupel, Tim Banks, uh, Mike Edgar will talk to anybody. He's really cool. And then, you know, Brian John Murray in terms of coaching, you know, what he did with that unit last year was was really, really impressive. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see – what that group, the linebackers, can turn into this year uh, with some more guys to kind of help out with that. We going to see Jeremy Banks in any media settings? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I've requested it a few times, but uh, no. That's... Don't give up. Don't, yeah. don't have to give up. I mean, I, I wonder if the first time we talk to Jeremy Banks, literally, is it going to be before the NFL Combine next, or the, before the Pro Day next year? Seriously. That might oh, be the now. only time we talk to Jeremy Banks ever. That's, that's pretty impressive honestly yeah to, and, to go that long <laughs> you know i mean but i mean he's he and byron young tyler Barron. you know those are the three pillars kind of in the front seven um jeremy banks he's he is still a very much a bull in a china shop obviously got a couple of dumb penalties last year but he and, has turned into a really nice player and, and the thing about it is too like he can get so much better like i don't pretend to know everything about football but i just see some things i'm like man just stop doing that that's a little mistake or a little habit you correct that you can you know, shave off, you know, 0.5 of a second around the edge to go get the guy. And I think he's going to be good this year. I've been impressed with Jeremy Banks. I'm excited for him. I just, like you said, he earned a, or he got a couple of dumb penalties. He earned a dumb penalty probably yeah. after 90% of our plays. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe he can't hear the whistle. Right, let's let's let me put that out there. But it's, it's bad, too, it's because like, you'll, like leading up to every penalty, like we'll, we'll sit in the press box or whatever, and you'll just be like, all right. Banks is about to get it. You can just I feel watch. like I can see his eyes. Yeah, like I, can see, I can't. And, but I feel like I can see it in his eyes. <laughs> and if we can see it, you know, the officials are like, yo, 33, <laughs> chill out, chill out, chill yeah. out. <laughs> that, that's one. Maybe he could use a, a playoff. Yeah. But but again, like last year, you couldn't. Right. And so hopefully right. this year yeah. you can get, get Jerry Banks, a backup coach. I got it. Just designed to watch him. Yeah, for real. So who's who's beside Jeremy Banks? I think that's a, a big question mark for me. Yeah. Um, what can you get from Juwan Mitchell? You know, he uh I mean, I, I touted him as you know, this is the time when Juwan Mitchell was coming in and Joe Milton was coming in, and uh Joe Milton was coming in to be the starting quarterback, which he was. Juwan Milton, I said, was the biggest addition to this team because Tennessee just had nobody. No, and this is before Jeremy Banks. We knew that he could play linebacker, to be honest. Um, Tennessee had no linebackers. And so I was, I was like, Juwan Mitchell, a guy that led Texas, you know, in tackles the year before. I was like, man, what a big addition. And he was nowhere to be found. I actually had somebody call on the radio station the morning after um, uh, Bowling Green. And they said, hey, did Juwan Mitchell play last night? I'm like, 
about 70 snaps. Yeah, he didn't record a tackle. <laughs> and, um, and then he was, I thought he had a good game against Pitt. I, I really did. And then, of course, he got hurt. And I'm not sure about his mindset there in the fall after he got hurt. You know, that's a difficult time when you're hurt. You're kind of away from the team. You're not playing. I'm not sure how bought in he was. But he came back this spring. He didn't have contact, but he was at every practice in full pads. Um, heard a lot good about I've heard a lot um, of things about how he's buying back into the program. So that's a big question mark for me. What can you get from Juwan Mitchell? So mm-hmm. we'll look at him. I mean, Aaron Beasley's going to play. Um, you you got to believe that Elijah Heron can can give you some snaps this year. Um, he's come in and he has put on probably 20 pounds already. Um, and he looked good in spring. I got to be honest with you. He's got a lot to learn. Uh, the game, the game's got to slow down for him, but I'm looking at Jeremy Banks, Aaron Beasley, Juwan Mitchell, Solon Page. Can Elijah Herring help you out at all there? And then, you know, every time we talk to coaches, and I know a lot of this is coach speak, I get it, but they keep bringing up uh, Quasi Garland saying that he's so close to being ready to help them. If, I mean, if he can spell them for just a couple of snaps, that's just another guy. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's the importance of recruiting that position. And I think a guy like Jeremiah T. Lander, you know, Jalen Smith's a guy that is heavily considering Tennessee. He'll announce here in a couple of weeks, and we'll see if Tennessee can get him. And, um, you're just recruiting that position because you need more bodies there for sure. Well, I'm glad you listed off some bodies because, yeah, during last spring, there was, I, I think you practiced a time or two just out Yeah, me, me and the long snapper. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was brutal, man. <laughs> What a shot at what a shot at special teams right there. What the, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Landon, you know, I, I love me some special teams. That was my school <laughs> on the bus uh, at Carson Newman one year. That hey, running down there like a maniac on kickoff. So yeah, yeah, wide go. open. Mm-hmm. Where's uh, where, where's the biggest step for Tennessee this year? I I think I think there's a couple positions that could take huge steps, and um, I, I think there's also a few that if they just play like they did last year and get some help around them, um, I think they'll formula for a good team so who's the who's the position though that you you think does take the, the next one man i think it's tight ends i really do and um a lot of that is speaking with alex golish who is the offensive coordinator also the tight ends coach <laughs> so uh he made a point to talk about the tight ends a lot i i feel like and this is what uh, golish told me in the interview that you can check out he just said hey we, we had two guys last year and, and we couldn't we couldn't play them at the same time because we didn't have anybody else and we, we didn't want to take the chance of running 12 personnel and, and getting more of those guys hurt because we didn't have anybody else that we felt confident. And Hunter Salmon came on a little bit and spelled them uh, there towards the mid to late year. But um, they think that they have some guys in Miles Campbell and, and Hunter Salmon again, that can come in. They got a couple of walk-ons who, you know, one at ETSU, one from U- UCF that they feel good about to where I think you'll see both those guys play at the same time and, and be more of a pass catcher role. Like I think Princeton fans can be a guy that can catch some passes this year. Mm-hmm. I think that's where they want uh, to kind of use him more to help replace some of that production left off from Bayless Jones. So I would say tight end would be number one for me. Okay. Um, I think the offensive line can be better. I mean, Tennessee ran for over 200 yards a game last year. We often forget that they need to protect Hendon better, especially the tackle position. Um, but I think the offensive line will be, you know, about the same, if not a little bit better. I look at tight end and and then linebacker again. I just think simply because you have more guys you can rely on, I think that position will get better. And I'm I'm intrigued to see about the secondary. I, I like Kamal Haddon, I think is a ball player. Can he stay healthy? Um Warden Burrell, it was bad there towards the end of the season. I I honestly believe he's got the yips right now. I truly do, because he's played a lot of football for Tennessee and he has never looked like that. So how does he respond? Those are a couple of the positions that I'm I'm intrigued to check out. 
Yeah, and the, the tight end one is interesting just because I think it's on a lot, I think, in, in terms of pass game. It's on Hendon. I think there were a couple of times that they provided an outlet and he didn't execute. And, and, and so I think it, he's got to find those guys too. And so I, I'm interested to see. I think they could have obviously played better at times. Um, and, and I think they got more physical towards the end of the year. It seemed like early in the year they didn't do a lot for you in, in the run game, um, but but seemed to improve. So I'm interested to, to see one just because hopefully Hendon's a better quarterback. Obviously he had a great year. And, and pl- I mean, he wasn't the starter. He, he earned the job after a guy got injured and, and had a great year. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm, cu- I'm curious to see because he does obviously lose. You mentioned Bayless, a lot of production there. Um, yeah. now, uh, an outlet guy. Mm-hmm. What is this tight end position? I had no clue what this was when Jeremy Pruitt was a coach at Tennessee. Oh, they were there. They just they had, they had handed there the entire time. In <laughs> yeah. uh, another reason, and, and Pruitt did this to an extent. Um, you know, he would use his tight ends as H backs and fullbacks and stuff. And and Heupel wants to get there. If you noticed, um, last year, uh, it might have been a touchdown. It, anyway, uh, yeah, I think it was a touchdown. He had against Pittsburgh. He had Jacob Warren in the backfield just run a, a simple like little banana route. They throw it to him over the middle linebacker's head and uh, kind of lining him up there, lining him up at H-back. Prince DeFant was um, out wide a lot, and I'll give him credit for this, man. Um, you guys remember that 72-yard touchdown? I think it was Javante Payton last year at Kentucky. Um, it was a screen pass, right? And and, and Prince DeFant gets out there and just bulldozes the cornerback. He is a great perimeter blocker. So not just throwing them the football, but lining them up in different areas, impacting the game. I watched a lot of UCF film before Hypo got here, and that's something that I noticed. Like they love to move the tight end around. So we'll see. I mean, again, that that, that is the position to where, you know, they might not be huge stat wise, but I, I'm intrigued to see how they utilize that tight end position this year. So um going back to recruiting a little bit, you get Nico. Um, who who's another, you know, he's big in in peer recruiting, and, and that's that's always good to see when you got a you know a five-star quarterback doing that. But who's another guy maybe in this class that is kind of doing the same thing kind of behind the scenes? Glad you asked that, man. It is Ethan Davis. And um, interesting. he is uh, a guy that, you know, we had to check on, you know, a couple of times throughout this process. At least I called him a couple of times. We're like, hey, man, Ole Miss is, you know, coming for you. He's like, no, I'm Tennessee, Tennessee, the, Tennessee the entire time. And every time I saw him at the – the Memorial Day Rocky Top of Palooza things saw him after his official visit the other day and just saying, you know, Nico's Nico. He's the biggest recruiter in the class, but he's like, I'm bringing my own weight too. I'm talking to these guys all the time and saying, we're going to shock the world. We're going to have a ton of guys join the class. And I think Ethan Davis is doing a really, really nice job of, of helping Nico and helping, you know, uh, uh, Elijah or not Elijah, Caleb Herring on the defensive side of the football as well. I think Caleb Herring stepping up and becoming more vocal and and trying to recruit guys for his side of the football as well. But that's something I was thinking about the last couple of weeks. Is like, man, Ethan Davis is starting to like really be a uh, you know a spokesman for this class. And so it's interesting that you kind of mentioned that. And dude, he's gonna be good. Have you guys seen some of that video from the overtime seven on seven last week? I didn't see that, but I've seen him play at Collins Hill a couple a couple times. I mean, he has a really good quarterback throwing to him and Sam Horn. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, he looks super athletic, and you know, no offense to anybody on Tennessee's roster, but he already looks like the part of tight end. Yeah, I mean, just talk about a weapon. You can put him out wide, put him on the line. He doesn't line up on the line an awful lot. He doesn't block an awful lot, but you have to teach that. But uh, probably doesn't have to in high school. Exactly. Like I think, honestly, let's see. Depending on which outlet you look at, like I think Ethan Davis might be, you know, one of the best tight ends, if not the best. He's rated 
seventh in his position per rivals. It's, it'd be hard pressed to find, you know, many tight ends better than him in this class. I think he's going to yeah. be really good. Interesting. <clears throat> so, um, Francis, you you want to give us a little prediction there? Dude, I don't know, man. Uh, I have no clue. I, I feel I feel better about Christian Conyer than I do Francis. Um, I'll, I'll say that. I feel better about Christian Conyer than I do Francis. That does not mean that Francis won't come to Tennessee. It does not mean Tennessee won't get him. Um, I just I, I think that he, he went through, say, three weeks in July where he took five official visits, and his family was with him on every step of the way. And they are back. They are at home in Hawaii, and they're talking about everything. They're rehashing everything. I mean, it's going to come down, in my opinion, Tennessee, Miami, and Southern Cal. And I think I think Southern Cal is a, a, you know the backseat now to Miami. You know, Miami's been doing some things here in recruiting. I don't know if you guys have noticed that here lately. But, <laughs> a little bit of money, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Uh, but I don't know, man. That that truly is, in my opinion, right now, like just it's kind of spitballing. I mean, I. I think it might be a, a 50-50, maybe a 55-45 type deal. I mean, Tennessee was in a good spot for a long time, but I don't think there was ever a clear-cut leader in that one the entire time, right? I mean, it was easy to point to Tennessee because he came up here unofficially. It's easy to point to Tennessee because of his relationship with Nico. Um, but, you know, we'll see. It's uh, potentially – I think it could potentially be a, a very active weekend for the University of Tennessee. And if you have Francis to cap it off there, that is uh, quite a haul for sure. Yeah, somebody mentioned this to me at work, and it was like, he's going to go to USC because it's closer to his family. And I'm like, I mean, he goes to IMG. Like, <laughs> you don't send your kid to IMG and think proximity to home is the end-all, be-all. Yeah, I, I truly don't believe location is going to be an issue whatsoever. I mean, um, be on the West Coast, he's in IMG right now. Tennessee is still on the eastern part of the country, but I don't think location is going to be, and I just think there's relationships. I think he's comfortable here at Tennessee. I think he likes and has developed relationships with the guys in the class and some of the uh, top targets who were here last weekend. Um, I think he likes Glenn Ellerby. I think he likes Josh Heupel. Just uh, a matter of talking it over with the family and kind of seeing what's the the best place. Because, you know, I mean, he's he's doing the same thing at Miami and at Southern Cal and everything, and they're all pitching him everything too. So we'll see. Um you know, Arch Manning, I think it's nine commits that Texas has gotten since Arch has committed, which is wow. Wow. incredible. Um, and somebody asked me, like, would you compare that to Nico right now? And I'm like, well, yeah, when you compare it like that, I mean, Nico, the Tennessee certainly not stacked him up like like that in terms of what Arch has done with Texas. But, I mean, you bring in a guy that, of the caliber of a Francis, I mean, that that's the type of guys that you're hoping that Nico can, you know, have a lot of sway with. So, It'll be interesting. Come uh, come Tuesday, I guess, or Monday. I get my day. Like, the fourth is Monday, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he's going to announce on Monday. So uh, it'll be interesting. Would Tennessee be in that one if it wasn't for Nico? Honestly, I don't think so, to be completely honest with you. They seem close. That's why I ask. Yeah, yeah, they are. They, they are very close. And I think, uh, I think Nico was instrumental in getting him up here at the end of May, unofficially, just to say, hey, here's Knoxville. Here's Tennessee. What do you think? You know, you want to come back here on an official visit, right? Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, I'll come back here." And so that time between May and 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 the end of June, Tennessee still, you know, was recruiting him very, very hard, and we're very much in it by the time he got back up here for his official. But I think if if it wasn't for Nico, he might not have even made it up here to begin with to give Tennessee truly a chance. And so, absolutely, I think Nico's been instrumental in that. And and then the same with Carnell Tate. And so. You know, like I don't, I don't know how much of a player Tennessee was was with Carnell Tate before Nico truly got involved. And the fact that you're in these races uh, mm -hmm. is big. But 
I understand you want to win them. Uh, you brought her up is is not fun, so you want to win some, and I and and that's why I get the whole frustration for the Carnell Tate thing because Tennessee was right there. But I do think these are kind of different. Like I would, you know, Tennessee was in the leader, you know, the the the, the front seat for Carnell Tate for a long time. That has not always been the case for Francis, though they've been in a good spot. You know, I wouldn't call them the quote unquote leader. You know, the the entire time. So it'll be interesting. But Nico's has been huge with both of those guys. That makes me really like. Got to go win. Got to go win ball games and yeah, be really in it for the school and more than just the guys coming in. I, don't get me too fired up. I'm already ready for football season, and I'm <laughs> I'm expecting some wins. A couple. Wins. I mean, you just look at guys like. I mean, they almost beat Ole Miss last year. Yeah. Oh, what a horrible last play. I'm not saying that that plays the, that one last play when he runs out of bounds is the reason they lost it. Gosh, they nearly won it two plays before that with his throw to Tillman. But, I mean, you almost beat Ole Miss, you almost beat Pittsburgh. You just think of those two games. I mean, if, if something went different on one of those two plays, you're looking at 8-9 win regular season. Um, you know, how, How's that you know, changing the narrative of, of what we're talking about moving forward? So, I'm expecting more wins, too. I mean, you know, we'll see about Florida. Tennessee better win at Pittsburgh. Tennessee better win at Florida. <laughs> or against Florida. So we'll see, but it, uh, regardless, it should be fun, man. And only a couple weeks away. I mean, we'll be at SEC media days here in a little bit. And then after that, it's camp time. What are SEC? Are they going to, um, keep Jimbo and Saban apart? Are they, I hope not. Make, well, I know, <laughs> right. You've got to just tee it up at this point. You just saw, you saw the seating chart. I forgot who put it out there. I apologize, but someone put it like a picture of the seating chart at the spring meetings mm-hmm. in Destin. And like you had, you had Jimbo, on like one side sitting right next to the commissioner. And then Saban was like one of the first two chairs on the opposite side, like towards him to where you have to turn all the way over here to see him. So they like getting them out of like eye shot of one another. But uh, I would imagine that those two guys are, I don't have the list in front of me, that they can't be on the same day, but I yeah. wish they were for sure. Yeah. You should, you should definitely just skid into it. Um, part of me thinks it was maybe a little bit manufactured. Jimbo probably felt like he had to defend it um, so much because his assistant coach or whoever that was recruiting today or yesterday was telling everybody that the money was coming in. I thought that was me and Landon talked about that earlier. That was uh, an interesting follow-up to the the Jimbo Saban beef. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. The guys went from playing golf together to despising each other pretty quick. It's wild, though. I mean, have you guys ever seen – I mean, there's allegations all the time, right? I mean, maybe not as public as that one, which is why it was so bizarre, but there's always allegations. Have you ever seen a head coach call a press conference to defend himself like that? I mean – Goodness gracious. I, I kind of like it. I oh, like oh it. at the same time, I'm like, give me more. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. But we just haven't seen that, which is so wild. For the entertainment factor, but it's also like, no, that he just wanted to come out and tell everyone how much he hated Nick Saban. So I was like, yeah, I kind of that. If that was a Tennessee coach, I would ride with him for it. For oh, sure. for sure. Yeah. I'm just going to point this out. Texas A&M, Alabama, the week before Tennessee, Alabama. Does that help? I don't think it hurts, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know how wins again somehow. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how much it would help, but I don't think it hurts. I mean, yeah. that'll be a, a physical game, maybe some fights. That'd be great. It's be uh, emotional. You know, it's going to be emotional. Yeah, and that's yeah. I think what what makes it difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's but it's gosh, it's it's always. I'll never man. understand how Alabama lost to Zach Calzada last year. That just still blows my mind. Yeah, you talk about an awful, and, that, and that's the thing with Jimbo too, and like. I think Jimbo, I don't know how you guys feel. I think Jimbo is the most overrated coach there is. I mean, you know, getting paid like $8.7 million, go eight and four every year. You beat Alabama and you go eight and four. Like, come on. Now, 
he had his issues at quarterback. I understand that. I mean, your starter got hurt and all that, but yeah, I mean, just goes to show you though, anybody can beat anybody except, you know, Tennessee in those games recently, which is frustrating, <laughs> but it is what it is. Well, Jimbo, Jimbo too, he's going to be that guy that just has a good year every like five years. He's just, yeah, he'll like, cycle up. He's going to, he's never going to be consistent. So he's not a hundred, hundred million, 10 year deal, whatever it was. He's not that guy, <laughs> but yeah. he's going to win some games, unfortunately. And have you I mean, been to every stadium? No. So see, like I, I really haven't been to that many stadiums at all. That's why, like, since I'm starting to travel and cover the games, I'm, I'm, Really looking forward to that. But like one of the the first stadiums I've I've gone to, like in the SEC, like was in Missouri last year. It's such a crap hole, right? But <laughs> but I mean I've I've gone to I mean I went to Alabama last year. I've been to Kentucky a couple of times to cover those games. I've been to Vanderbilt to cover those games, but really haven't been to too many games. I, I've gone to Tennessee like growing up, I wanted to do a bunch of like Tennessee bowl games and stuff. But mm -hmm. um yeah, I've not been to the swamp. I've not been to the Plains, I haven't been to College Station. Man, I wish I wanted to uncover that game back in 2016 or whatever. So I am looking forward so much to going to LSU this year. And I, I'm so mad that they canceled the BYU game because I wanted to go and cover that game. Oh, yeah. yeah. I told Landon, we, I, told, I told myself I'd go, but I, at the end of the day, I, I, that's a trip. Like We were talking about it. It's not just a LSU we're doing on a weekend. No. Drive, it's easy. But, yeah, it sucks for everybody that, that would have gotten to go to that. So – you said you've been to Alabama, Missouri. I'm in Missouri, Kentucky. You've been to the worst. You've been to the worst stadiums. Like, I've been. Oh yeah, been to it can all go up in South there, Carolina. Right? <laughs> South Carolina is yeah. awful. I've driven by South Carolina tons of times. I've just never gone to a game. Uh, it's like I, a fairgrounds, right? Yeah, it yeah, is kind of. It is kind of a cool tailgating scene. People um, get to tailgate legit, like right up on the stadium and all the way. It is nice for that. They've got. I'm, have you guys been to Missouri? No. No. I really don't have a desire to either. No, yeah, that's, that's a haul. Do not waste your time. Do not waste <laughs> your time. It is. We, we got there. Let's see. It was like, so it was 11 a.m. local time kickoff last year. Got there like maybe nine local time, 930 local time or whatever. And it was cold. It was, uh, I mean, it was October. It was cold. It was rainy. It was muggy. There was like, I kid you not, maybe like 20,000 people. I mean, there was nobody there. And the press box was a piece of crap and it was so this video is going to get around it was a piece of crap and it was so cold in there and you could another see, journalist complaining about a press box and I over something you couldn't see through the window of the press box it was so annoying uh but then it hey, ended up do not up. say something about southwell high school if you do we're gonna have problems <laughs> no you can't see out of that press box window hey hey i'm on the field oh that's that's school. true yeah you're on the it, field. it don't matter for me i'm on the yeah. field but uh, yeah, don't waste your money going to Missouri. I I, I would say that. Don't waste your money. The, the atmosphere is nothing. So well, well, you can't really get to it anyway. Like it it's like there's not a great place to fly into. You got to basically drive a whole lot of yeah. It's just not ideal. We got lucky. We took a small plane and uh, took it to the little regional airport, which is really really nice and convenient. Um, but like the the charter flights, you got to go to St. Louis, and so that's like an hour and a half away or whatever. So it is not, you're right. It's a, not an easy place to get to. Yeah. And I definitely ain't driving to Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> this man drives to Arkansas three or four times a year. Well, that's for work. I get paid to do that. I, I'm not <laughs> spending money to drive to Missouri. Yeah. Especially with gas prices now. It's hard driving to work from here. I'm five <laughs> minutes away from work and it's insane. It's awful. Um, What's your, what? what's the stadium you want to go to? Is it, like you, you, it's got to happen. LSU this year. I've mm -hmm. always wanted to go to LSU. 
See, Some I wish it was a night game. I hate that you logically made it an afternoon game. Yeah, but, <laughs> no, you're right. But I really want it to be a night game. And I want to go to the swamp. I want to go to the swamp. I mean, I, I've never been there, and I think that's a great place to go and watch a game. Uh, so I've heard, and hopefully, you know, if, if it could be a competitive game, that'd be great. So, which it was for a little bit last year, and then it wasn't, which was not great. So I would say LSU, Florida. Is there a non-SEC that you've been dying to go to? Um, I like to go. I'd like to go to a Clemson game right now. I think that'd be fun. Oh, yeah. Um, Notre like Dame would be kind of neat. Penn yeah. State would be mine. Penn State would be good. Um, I want to. I want to go to the Big House. I've actually seen a soccer game in the Big House. I haven't. I haven't <laughs> really? Yeah. I saw Real Madrid and Chelsea play. Yeah, that is another good one. Um. So yeah, all those premier ones. I mean, I like to go to the Rose Bowl. That'd be neat. Yeah. Um. You know, I see, wouldn't see, see a, USC play in the Rose Bowl. I'd, or uh, UCLA, whoever plays in the Rose Bowl. UCLA, USC, right? yeah, yeah. Get, get to see the Trojans yeah. and Ohio State kickoff at 9 a.m. local time for the Big Ten kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we were talking about. What like the like? What are they going to do? They can't start any earlier. I mean, it's a mess, man. I mean, it, it just goes to show you, which I'm here for again because you know this just means the SEC is going to add again. And you know, I mean, if you're if you're if you're the ACC, you're freaking out right now because Clemson, Miami. Um, Florida State. I mean, those teams should, should just jet, right? I mean, where was Pittsburgh before the ACC? Was that Big Ten? Uh, they were Big East. Yeah, Big East, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right, Big East. Okay, they were in so West Virginia. They were the ones that beat West Virginia and kept them out of the national championship. Shout out Pat McAfee. I think he missed a field goal in that game. <laughs> wow, mm. wow. I, I'm a big Pat McAfee guy, but he he did hate on my Titans at the draft in 2019. <laughs> so it is what it is. But um, I, I don't know, man. It just goes to show you that, like, I mean, it makes no sense in terms of travel. Football makes sense, but think about this, like basketball games, softball games, baseball games. It's a lot of travel. That's a lot of money, Uh, but you're going to make a lot of money. So it's going to be tough for these student athletes, especially in those sports to like keep up with schoolwork and stuff like that. But hey, it is what it is. Um, That's why you should never, ever, ever be against name, image, and likeness now for for sure. Um, But as a football fan, I'm, I'm pumped about it. Does the ACC scheduling, though, does that? I feel like that's way more ideal. Especially than what the SEC, the SEC is gonna have to do something. They can't do what they do now when they add Texas and Oklahoma. I like the is it three non rotating and the rest three three five. So you got you got three permanent opponents, um, and then you will rotate uh, the next couple ones over the the court. Like there's ten other ones, and then you'll you'll play five one year. It's an eight game regular. It's an eight game conference schedule. You'll play five one year, and then five the next year, but the same three. So, uh, it's, uh, SEC, they're doing either the one seven or the three six. And so I think everybody would be voting for, and that could come out at SEC spring meetings. I thought, it, or excuse, I thought it was going to come out in Destin at the meetings. It could come out at media days, what I meant to say. Um, you, determining you, do it. you don't have an option now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're going to do something, of course, but there's, I mean, because they're not coming in, what is it, 25? Yeah. That's what they're, yeah. Not 23. Because there was rumored it could happen in 23. Which I thought with is it BYU and who's the other one joining? Is it uh, just BYU? I thought there were two, but I thought with them joining in twenty twenty three, I thought maybe it could be likely, but they said no twenty twenty five. Which it's the I'll, I'll tell you this too. It's the uh, because you know it's twenty twenty three with Southern Cal and UCLA playing in the Big Ten. Their TV rights, like their grant of rights or whatever, right. with the Pac twelve network, they, it expires after the twenty twenty or twenty twenty two season. So that's why they get to go. They don't have to pay this big hefty fine, right? I mean, I think that Oklahoma and Texas are still locked in through 2024. That's probably why they're not coming early. But anyway, like the 
the scheduling model, Tennessee or the SEC and Tennessee, one seven or or three five. And I think we all want the we all want the three five, right? Or the three six, because that gives you three same opponents every year. That way yeah. you can keep the rivalry with like Vanderbilt that's over a hundred years, Alabama, maybe Kentucky, and or Georgia or Florida. But you still get to see and play every other team in the SEC once every two years. So it's one more conference game of a schedule. It's one less cupcake. And so I think that's what they'll do. Just more money, another conference game. Say, and I, I don't think the – which is going to be interesting. The schools have to vote on it, obviously. It's going to be interesting to see who would rather play the eight conference game schedule and who would rather rake in the millions of dollars they'll make in an extra SEC TV game. Well, it's interesting. Uh, Ross Dellinger put a report out there with SI back when this was the hot topic a couple of months ago and kind of saying that the SEC split into two tiers in terms of teams that make the most money and teams that make less money. Tennessee's actually kind of right in the middle, if you believe that or not. But like the Alabamas, the Auburn, or yeah, the Alabamas, the Auburns, the Texas A&Ms, the Floridas, the Georgias, they're all in the top tier because that you know they win a lot. The bottom tier is like South Carolina's, Missouri's, uh, Ole Miss's, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt's. <laughs> And one of the intriguing parts was like, if you're quote unquote the bottom tier, if you do that three six model, you can play two other teams in your permanent three from the bottom tier, just one team from the top tier. So like for Tennessee's case, Tennessee could play Vanderbilt and Kentucky from the bottom tier and Alabama from the top tier. So it'd be interesting. And I think a lot of the teams in like the quote unquote bottom tier probably want to go the eight game conference route because that means they get one more win. Mm-hmm. they pay somebody and that's one when closer to bowl eligibility so there's a lot of things in, in play here that i think we often don't think about but just from a fan's perspective it's like well i mean more money one more conference game it's it's a no-brainer right yeah and then talk about the diehard fans that want to go to all these stadiums and want to see all want to play the we haven't played we haven't played auburn at tennessee in five years four years now and i mean that's just insane i feel like hmm. I yeah i mean there's no two. excuse to not go and play at texas a&m i mean we're approaching what four th- seven years i mean it feels yeah. like that game was yesterday but so it's been seven years almost you know yeah. <laughs> playing at Te- there's no excuse for that playing at arkansas like sure tennessee played at arkansas in 2020 i remember that but like before that it was the crazy punt return do you remember that yeah. <laughs> like i mean it's it should oh, never be that long for Every student athlete should have the chance to go everywhere in the conference, in my opinion. But also for fans, I mean, that's that's a long time. So I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and I think that's how like rivalries form is like mm-hmm. you're you're playing these teams. Like, I mean, you, you mentioned Tennessee, Arkansas. There's no rivalry, and there's no like like you you can't make one when you're yeah. playing each other once every seven years. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's. You know, you could make the case that Tennessee, Missouri is a pretty decent little rival right now because of all the the battles you're having and and like different non-revenue sports. But we had that conversation like whenever it's Missouri week and like it's it's not it. I mean, Tennessee plays Missouri every single year now, but they just, you know, win hands down. But, you know, what could it be like against Tennessee Ole Miss? Lane won't be there for long. Lane can't stand Oxford. He wants that Oxford so bad. But I think Tennessee Ole Miss would be a nice little rivalry, especially if Lane is there. Tennessee, Arkansas, you're exactly right. T- Tennessee, Texas A&M. But um, and if now again they're going to scrap the divisions likely, but you know, say Texas was in the West right now. I mean, Tennessee, Texas, UT, UT, like they need to play more than once every you know six, six, seven years or whatever. So, um, hopefully, there will be some type of rotation where you get to see one, you get to see every team once every two years. So I think that would be beneficial for everybody. 
Yeah, the bat the trophy for the battle for the real UT um would be really cool to have. Yeah. That's another thing. Like there's no we it's have really nothing cool. like that. We have no trophies for you know these rivalries. You had one. Bring back the you got to bring back the beer barrel. Just well, now, now I feel like it's associated with Brad Niedermeyer, so I don't even know if he can bring that back. Now. <laughs> he no, he doesn't get that. Like Butch Jones doesn't get Checker Neeland. The fans that give Butch Checker Neeland are just the biggest dumbasses I've ever met. <laughs> I don't know Listen. how you associate that with that man. It's a cool. It's literally the coolest thing I've ever seen in all of sports. That is stadium big. is gorgeous. You can't give it to him. The beer barrel is beautiful. Peyton Manning has one in his bar saloon, whatever you want to call yep. it. Still that one if you have to. <laughs> Brian might have stolen the, the the old one. Who knows what that dude did? It was it was a thing long before Brian needed. And that's the thing about yeah. Brian Niedermeyer, man. He got the fan base, and that's why it kind of stings. I understand it, like whenever he's tweeting and stuff. Like he got the fan base, what like taking that dude. picture, just the wherewithal, be like, hey, everybody will get a kick out of this. So, but yeah, I mean, that's the only trophy I can think of, right? Um, the Big Ten has those trophies like every year. They, you know, you see. Yeah. On ESPN that night, they're hoisting up the boot or whatever. You know, it's just like, yeah. oh, that's weird, but kind of cool at the same time. We need more of that. Yeah, yeah, we need the UConn UCF, uh, the con the civil conflict. <laughs> yeah. UCF one, and they left it sitting on the sideline. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, we need something like that. Something that we don't even care about. It's just, just a trophy. Yeah, I was exactly. talking. I was talking <laughs> about this with the coworker. Tennessee doesn't really have any of those, like, like cheering traditions you know how like oh yeah south carolina has sandstorm wisconsin Mm -hmm. has um jump around like we don't have anything like cool like that like you got low places in the fourth quarter man (laughs) that hey listen that one's the most tennessee song they could have (laughs) played i mean it's it's way better than jump the the end of the third quarter jump around way better than that yeah i just not a wisconsin i don't know how that ends up at wisconsin it's just it's just not great when you're losing by two it's touchdowns not, to not. like Alabama or Florida or somebody that's yeah, on, it's like, true. it's like, what are you doing? Like, come on, you know, the guy yeah. working the ox has got to know what's going on. Yeah. But, but. I also kind of, lo- I do kind of love the all out commitment to, to a song. It, it is, it is kind of nice. I, I like it better than the guy on the mic that leads the VOS chant that he's so far behind. Cause the mic's delayed that on basketball, issue, basketball and football. Okay. Basketball is worse because they do it with the band by section, and it it is never synced up, and it never will <laughs> sync up. It's awful. I don't know who we need to talk to about cutting that, but it needs to stop. The basketball one's way worse. Yeah, no. I uh, I think Jimmy Delaney would be your guy. You email right, Jimmy Delaney. Let him know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot about basketball that needs to be fixed. It's 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 a uh, it's cringy. A lot of the things that take place in Thompson Bowling Arena on a it's awful. I don't cover many basketball games, so like I I don't I don't see a lot of that. I mean, to be honest, I usually sit here in the home studio and watch it on the TV right here, and it's it's a better Record setup. For me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I've covered a couple in the last couple of years, and I, I guess I just I'm not there enough to kind of pick up on that type of stuff. It's just like they I don't know the intros are just weird. They're very weird. I'm not a fan of the intros, and I hate no. this. I don't know how many I know soccer does it, and I think baseball kind of does something like it. But there's this really awkward where they announce the away team and then right before they announce the home team, they play a video, a hype video. And it's just everyone, the team, the other team is just watching this video and nothing's happening. It's very weird. It's very it kills the whole flow of the intros. It's it's awful. Soccer's even worse because it's just 
22 people standing on the field alone just watching this video on the video board. <laughs> you There's a lot of times you can play man. that. There's a lot of other times you could play that. That's not the right time. Yeah, I will say I think the uh, and that's something Danny White. I mean, when he was first hired, you know, things he could control right off the bat, like the Nealon renovation, it was already in place, like kind of before he got here. But like you couldn't start it like when he got here. Um, but things he could control was like in-game fan experience type stuff. And, you know, with the with the light show that he kind of did. What do you worry on the light show? I thought it was really, really cool last year. It it's it made Checker Neeland, it made the the run out of the tee better. Um, don't operate them during the day. It just looks stupid. <laughs> I guess they have to they have to queue it up all the same. I have no idea. Um, but no, I thought it was I thought it was awesome. The video boards on the upper deck were awesome like everything about mm-hmm. it i thought was really cool. and, and having obviously having that other jumbotron and having the the vols letters back and you can do i don't i don't know if this is gonna be the case but like i mean with with, with where we are now put leds on those letters sync up the vols with that chant mm-hmm. and i mean there, there's so much you can do and that's what a lot of this is nowadays man it's like not only are you hosting you know 50 prospects every home game or whatever but like you're also for the fan experience i mean when you Pay. I mean, everything's so expensive nowadays. So, like, when you go somewhere, like, obviously you're getting like you're getting a ball game, but you, you got to be entertained in other areas. That's why, like, Wi-Fi coming back. That's huge. And that's all. That's all I needed a game. I just want to check scores. I've got bets in. Just give me Wi-Fi. That's the only time I look at my phone is between you know time, TV timeouts, whatever it may be, halftime. That's the only reason I check my phone. I'm not on Twitter. Nope. I'm just on. I won't plug any no no free ads. I won't plug any sports books. But I'm on that and ESPN to check scores and and stats. Yeah, stay off Twitter on game days for sure. <laughs> Sometimes I'll fire off tweets and and I'll have to go delete them later that night. Like, <laughs> you, can't tweet that. you can't tweet in that moment. You're too emotional. Yeah. Too emotional yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Eric, we we kind of kept you on for a long time. We appreciate your <laughs> just hopping on with us and and hanging out. I looked down. It was like it was like nine twenty. Sorry. Yeah. I, I was, I was gonna gonna say, I that. It was like 9:20. You sent me that text like an hour ago. I'm like, "Crap, man. We just been shooting the crap. It's been fun though." <laughs> yeah. For sure. And bad news, you're going to have to come back on cuz I had some high school football questions for you. Um so you'll have to answer those too. I guess we can get we can do that closer to season. Yeah, dude. Hey, anytime y'all want. Uh just talking ball. It's uh it's a blast. We didn't even get into baseball, so we'll, we'll have no, to we come didn't. back on soon. Yeah. But but Frank's Frank's back. That's all that matters. Frank's Frank and back. You. <laughs> <laughs> He's no longer suspended. He's back. <laughs> um, yeah, Eric, really good seeing you, man. Um, appreciate you. Um, also, if you want to plug um, everything you got going on, feel free. Yeah, yeah. Um, Locked on Vols podcast every single weekday morning, wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. That show continues to grow on YouTube, and um, it's gonna, it's just going to freaking explode during football season. So we're having a good time on there. It's a blast. But obviously that, check out all the work at VolQuest.com. Hey, we're in the heart of recruiting season right now, and it could be a busy weekend coming up. So stay, mm-hmm. stay dialed in at VolQuest.com. And starting lineup every morning, 6 to 9. You'll hear me on there. You'll hear me tomorrow morning. That's why I got to go to bed right now. But uh, all that stuff is uh, all, the, all the stuff I got going on every day. I meant to tweet this at you, speaking of um, your morning show. I, I had it on, took my grandmother to get her hair washed. And she yelled at me. I don't know if it was, I don't know who it was speaking, um, but she said that that man's voice just hurts my ears. <laughs> I, I mean, that's me I, you know, I was like, that's that, that was, that was good. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully it's not me. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think it was you. It was in the, it, it may have been, I don't know. I was right. <laughs> I started the car. She gave me, she gave me no time. 
um, and and I, I had to turn it down. But I meant, meant to tweet it at you that day because it was a very funny comment from my grandmother uh, who has almost no filter now. Um, she called <laughs> me fat today. So we're just rolling with the punches. Hey. Hey, not 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 the first time, probably the last time she was talking about me, but hey, appreciate her listening. Appreciate you, man. Have a good night. Hey, see you, boys. See you. That was Eric Kane. I don't even know. Like I said, I don't know what to call him. He's, he's all over the place. Um, locked, locked on balls. Mr. Dude, uh, he, he said starting lineup six to nine. I almost said nice. Um, <laughs> uh, that's that's a good starting time. We, we should. I'm not. I can't talk for three hours, but if I could. You know, we'd be going uh, we've six done it and for an hour and a half already tonight. I mean, we're, we're yeah, there. yeah, we're rolling. Where's Joe? Yeah. Is Joe still in here? Was in here. He, I, I didn't know. This is my fault. I, sh- I I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm the reason that I clicked Eric out. He was, he clicked him in already, and it was all my fault. So, not on Joe. That's on me. All right, guys. Y'all, uh, y'all got any stupid things that happened this week? Full dis- full disclosure. I only prepared for. The more important issues. I, I went ahead and named the segment too. More important issues and more important issues. Okay. So yeah. I'm only, I'm only prepared for that one. Um, I believe I've got a couple of things. Actually, I, I've got one. Um, under oath. Under oath is just being tossed around out there. And I think Jimbo Fisher needs to, the Jimbo and Nick Saban need to both go under oath um, and give their side of the story because you had the thing about Trump apparently trying to grab the steering wheel of the uh, presidential motorcade. And uh, apparently choked us, choked a uh, Secret Service agent, which is just, I, I don't know what to think about a president doing something like that. I, I don't have an opinion because it's so wild if it did happen. Um, then you had the Secret Service agents say they were going to go under oath. They would go under oath um, and say that didn't happen. Then you had, I don't know if you saw this, Freddie Freeman's um, agent. He fired him over the Atlanta deal. Apparently, lied, Doug Gottlieb reported that he lied about the Atlanta deal. And that's why Freddie went to LA and Casey close responded and said, he'd go under oath if he needed to. <laughs> under oath. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just going under oath now. <laughs> it just means you're funny, serious, right? I guess it's just a funny thing. Cause I, there's a lot of situations, obviously the, the Trump one's very different, but the, the agent, why does he need to go under oath? Why can't he just say that's not true? <laughs> yeah. Under oath. Um, under oath. I have one, and it's it's Florida. They're, I mean, they're just struggling in recruiting, and it's nice that you know we're just. It, it it was funny to see how they had a guy leave his official visit about an hour and a half, and then commits to Florida State. I thought that's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Like, hey, thanks for the free weekend. I'm out. By the way, going to Florida State. That, I didn't see that. I missed that. So that's incredible um, yeah. for a lot of reasons. Roderick Kearney. How bad does that official have to be? And I know it varies from person to person. To not only, not only leave, but then leave and go, yeah, I know I definitely want to go to school at that other place. Oh, that's just it's just a free vacation is all it is. But he didn't even stay the whole time. He didn't he didn't take the free vacation. No, he he did. He like left his official visit like after oh. it was over, an hour and a half after oh, it was over, oh. and then commits to Florida State. I thought you meant he walked in, met the coaches, and was like, no. 
So, somehow. So, yeah. <laughs> I want to get yeah. an hour and a half. Oh, you meant, okay. Thanks for the plane right. rod. <laughs> then, then, imagine that. First off, I'm not playing. I'm not paying for the flight home if I'm Florida. Oh no, under your own way. So smart of him to to get home, get on the plane first. Oh, that's awesome. Did not realize that. Joe, do you stupidities? Not a stupidity, but have you guys seen the whole Radio Shack thing? <clears throat> Yeah, why are they tweeting so much weird stuff? There's a whole story behind it. It's do you remember that scumbag like Ty Lopez or whatever that was like, I'm standing in front of my two new Lamborghinis, but I'm more proud of these six. But he's he's that kind of guy like sells you a bunch of schmuck stuff on Snapchat stories and everything. But some huge like billionaire Bitcoin guy, and I guess they bought out Radio Shack a while ago, the rights to it or something, and like started this whole thing. So yeah, it's secondly not really Radio Shack tweeting it; it's him, but like. I mean, it's still a verified Twitter account, and they very interesting. They're what? they're going crazy on, on Twitter, just like the, the Wendy's one was a little disturbing. I won't lie. Yeah, <laughs> oh, there are some that's uh, one of them that's up here is I think the only one, I think the only person who serviced more customers than us over the years is Jake Paul's girlfriend, and then oh. added Jake Paul. <laughs> what? Like stuff like that. I'm just like, wow. So do they have? Are they still like selling? Electronics or just or no? That's what no. I was confused about as well. I don't think so, and I think I know they have like a Radio Shack coin or something like that. Um, <clears throat> a Radio Shack coin. Yeah, there's a coin. A thousand of them. Yeah, be worth millions one day. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. How much are they worth now? <laughs> Negative right now, but I we'll bet they're up. actually up with this Twitter account. I bet they're actually up. Lennon, coin by coin, brother. Coin by coin. Under oath. <laughs> under oath. That I guy would not go under oath. Radio Shack guy. <laughs> Actually, maybe he would. I, who knows? Are you uh, you ready for some of uh, some of the que- burning questions? I don't have any goat ones this week. Um, sorry, yeah, Joe. Yeah. I know you want. To... <laughs> right. Joe got in early on that one. Um, but I'll, I'll drop my first one here. Um, if you had to, so this I've heard this question phrased a bunch of different ways. But if you had to, like, how many five-year-olds do you think you could take on before they took you down or whatever? But instead of just flat-out five-year-olds, like one by one, they come in waves of 15. So how many? 47. 47 waves or 47 five-year-olds? 47 five-year-olds. That's not a lot. So you're saying, like, a wave of 15 comes, and then there's a little break, and then 15 come again. You're not saying, like, all at once, right? I think it's the the last – once the last kid drops – the next wave's coming. So you technically are just consistently beating up five-year-olds, but it's... Do you have anything with you? No, I think... But I think here's the thing. I I don't think the kids have access to that because I I think you got to take it naturally in in the world. They wouldn't have access to, like, guns or knives. Five-year-olds shouldn't. Um, So they are also... Did you grow up in South (laughs) Longshore? Yeah. You know, maybe, like, the scissors that are rounded at the end um, or maybe, like, pencils. So, like, there are... Like, they could hurt you, but it would take a lot. But I think at the end of the day, they're normal five-year-olds. It's like, take a standard kindergarten class. There's going to be that one crazy kid in one, um, the one you know little girl who doesn't want to fight you, but you got to take her down if you want to count these numbies. So I feel like this is a dangerous. This is like a slippery slope. Did y'all see uh, Fred Van Vliet tweet out a uh, 
picture at a camp where he crosses up like a little girl and posts it on Instagram. I've never once let my nieces or nephews win in any game. They want to play me in basketball. They're not even touching the rim. I'm but did you post? I will. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I play them in horse. Hey, hey credit because they do make some wild shots every once in a while. And they're getting a little bit older, but they never win. <laughs> You just, if it's getting close, you just do a left-handed layup. Oh, I do something like you got to stand behind the the backboard, or you know, something simple that I know I can do, or you know, off the wall backboard in, like something easy that I know it's impossible for them. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure, for sure. To answer your question, I'd probably say <laughs> three three waves. That doesn't three sound waves. like much, but forty-five kids. See, I'm and, thinking I can get close to ten waves. I think I could get close. See, they're coming, they're coming in waves of 15. And like I said, standard five-year-olds, they're not all hyped up HD8 or uh, ADH kids. Like they're not all that way. You'll get a few in each wave, but most of them don't want anything to do with you. So you just got one punch for pretty much all of them. Yeah, I, I think I could probably fight a hundred. Yeah. Because yeah, I, right. I think, I mean, at the end of the day, they're not going to like, you know, like rip you apart. Like they're going to be like all over you, but you can just drop kick them. And like, I mean, even yeah. just like putting your hand out, like you're going to, Toss them on the ground. You could Bruce Lee kick and take out three or four at a time. Exactly. <laughs> you can pick up one and start swinging around, like knocking the other ones out. These, these are the things I think about when I go to bed at night, by the way. Uh, you guys are getting a first look into my mind. Uh, my next one, are there more people in the world that can dunk a basketball on a regulation hoop or hit a home run in MLB park? I think, I think for the home run, it's just standard BP. Oh, man. I would, I would probably say dunk. More people in the world. I think it's hit a home run. I would say don't. Because well, I, mm. I think you can get – there's a little bit of luck involved, like no matter what. Cause, so here's the thing. I think there's there's people who could – Is it a wooden bat or a metal bat? Wood bat. Yeah, maybe. Wood makes it a lot harder. But yeah, I still it does. Think there's a, I, I think there's a level of you can learn to hit a home run. Like – from BP, you can learn. A standard athletic person could learn. There's standard athletic people that have no chance of ever dunking a basketball because it's ten. You got to be able to jump X. Yes, body. exactly. I mean, well, I would you- say most of the people that can't dunk probably can't hit a baseball that far either. Well, think about. I mean, think about a guy that's. I mean, we've played with some athletic basketball with some athletic people that could never dunk, but they could with enough like with enough practice they could hit a home run in MLB park. Do they get set? Like, how many tries? Do they like they just. I think it's just you can do it. You could ever do it if you could yeah. ever work at it and do it. It's definitely because like, think about like how many like jacked people there are like that probably can't dunk. Like you don't practice like a vertical. You don't like. There's a lot and of people. Even then, there's a limit on that. There's but I, I think it's I think it's a height thing. Like most people, like people that are at the height that can they can probably dunk, but they can't hit a baseball for crap. Right, but you could teach somebody is my point. To enough to hit BP, not to take a oh, so they're learn they're, they get to learn how to hit. I think like I, I just mean, I just thought like well, you're time, like, saying, like yeah, like they're just going out there. I still think it would be hit a home run in MLB Park because think about I mean okay so let's say, I said people in the world because you can you can also just, train to dunk like you can but there's guys, but there's guys my size that would never still ne- never be able to dunk. That you could probably make, you could probably turn into hitting home runs if you went that route, because there's a limit to how much you can jump at the end of the day. 
you could technically learn to hit a baseball. Because, I mean, in BP, if you just have a decent swing and catch the ball, or not a decent swing, a good swing, and you can teach that. I mean, think about the guys that play golf. Well, here, here's the thing. I don't even think I could do that. And I I played baseball. I think you could. I think you could with enough practice. Like I, I again with a wooden bat. I think I uh-huh. go the practice route. That's the thing is he's saying that if you get lucky, like you're you could still hit a home run. You're, no matter how lucky you get, you're not going to like get an extra four yeah. inches at the vertical. You're never going to. Yeah, maybe piece the right I, right. That's spot tough. That's a tough question. It's not all luck. I know there's a ton of ton of skill involved, <laughs> but I think there's much more of a luck element in the baseball than there is the basketball. But even if you didn't go like the practice route. Think about all the guys in Major League Baseball, not even just in Major League Baseball, professional baseball, college baseball, that could do it, that could never dunk a basketball. Just because you're limited. Like, if you walked them out that day, think about that. Like, I think it's I think it's home runs. Well, I think the same thing with the basketball, like the NBA players. They, could get, they wouldn't be able to go out there. No, no, no. I said without the practice element. If you take away the practice element. That's what I'm saying. I don't think there's a lot of NBA players that could hit a home run. Mm-hmm. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but there's way more baseball players in the world than basketball players. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, think about like even just like the that's Asian right. countries and South American countries. You find those guys like. Yeah, I, I think the the ratio of the two, like there'd be more baseball players that would be able to dunk than NBA players being able to hit a home run. Uh, I don't know. That's fair. That's a fair point. I don't think there's that many though. I think how many MLB players are going to be able to get up to ten feet and dunk a ball? I mean, a lot of them are like six three in in athletics. So I mean, maybe. You don't see a lot of off season baseball players going and. and I mean, I'm I'm five ten and not very athletic, and I can touch the rim. I'd like to see you touch rim. I don't think I've ever seen you touch rim. Yeah, I'm calling cap. Oh, don't cap me, Joe. <laughs> I played basketball with you, Landon. He's not a fair cat. No, it's not. Let me put my Kyrie's on, and I'll go out there and touch rim. Kyrie, get out of here. Definition of overrated right now. Um, all right, another sports one. If you played starter minutes in an NBA season, could you score one point? Or would you have a better chance of if you're on the five yard line, you have four downs, could you run a touchdown in? Basketball all day. Score a point or like a, a, a point. That's all it says. I think basketball. Easily. Oh, yeah. You can Dude. move around and get quick and get a, get a shot up. I'm sorry. You, you 20 runs from the five. I'm, I'm no shot. Well, and if you're playing starter minutes too, you've got, if you're in at the end of the game and you're up, or you're, yeah, you're up, you're going to be the one that gets fouled. So you're going to well, get what a, was the other sport? free throws. Football. Uh, score. A touchdown with four downs from the five yard line. Well, how good are your blockers? Like, are you getting like supreme block? Like, that's another factor that, like, but even then, man, blocking. you still that hole closes up fast. I don't know if I could ever get to the hole in time, yeah. <laughs> honestly, because you also gotta be you gotta have some balls on you to hit that hole. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm, I'm rather taking my chances scoring a ball. Yeah, if I had a pick, I would. <laughs> yeah, I thought that one was pretty easy. I'm not, I'm not riding with Landon on the. Um, let's see. Last one. If you fold a pizza, this is going back to our sandwich argument. If you fold a pizza, fold over a pizza, does it become a sandwich? No, no. There's not even anything no. in between it that wasn't already there. Is a hoagie a sandwich? 
Yes. Isn't that kind of the same thing? No, because you got to add stuff into a hoagie. Like if you like stuffed a bunch of stuff into the folded pizza, aren't you adding like bread? Pizza's bread, and you're just adding toppings to it, and then you yeah. But that's like once it's already cooked as a pizza, then folded. If I like <laughs> pressed out, okay. If I okay, isn't a, oh shit? <laughs> I don't know. If you if you unfold the hoagie and and eat it like that, you look like an idiot. Yeah, and there's also like ingredients that you put into that. You, that you don't look like an idiot though folding a pizza. No. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like I'm saying, you can eat it like you can eat it unfolded. <laughs> all right, all right. I can see that one. Uh, I'll ask one more, and then then we'll close up more important issues with more important issues. Uh, who wins in a, in a fight, a grizzly bear or a silverback gorilla? Gorilla. There's no shot. I know the. I'm, yeah, dude, I'm going grizzly. I'm going grizzly. They're they're way meaner. Yeah, I think they're, they're more way vicious. Meaner. But and also, a gorilla is going to be smarter too. Gorillas can like straight up throw punches, dude. Like, yeah, they, but a gorilla yeah. also, I mean, a gorilla didn't kill uh, the kid. Harambe didn't kill a kid. Okay, That's well, I think we're he was. No offense, no offense. I wouldn't kill a kid either, Harambe. Like, please don't smite me. Um, no, I, I just think grizzlies are fierce animals, man. They take no mercy. Yeah, I would say probably a grizzly. I think a grizzly would probably weigh more What's, than a. Okay, that's that was my question. Too. I thought that, but now that I'm kind of thinking a gorilla might weigh more. Silverback gorilla. Wait. We know what side Joe's on. I'll let you present your full argument. I'm sorry. No, I'm just thinking it. It's just I feel like it's a bigger animal. Maybe I'm saying I'll let I'll let Joe present his argument. Oh, why do you think? Other than you, start. think you said that somebody did. Yeah, just if they're both pissed off. I mean, I know the bear, like, they're huge, and they have, like, but I just, I'm just i picturing, like, the advantages of a gorilla having, like... Yeah, it's not King Kong. Like, arm, like, arms and hands, and, like, it's going to be able to, like, maneuver. I mean, I just, I looked it up. There's just 100% no way that this is true. It says they can weigh up to 1,300 pounds. The bear Silver gorilla? Can weigh up to 400. 440. Oh, yeah, so a grizzly bear destroys it. That's insane. 1,300 pounds? never seen a bear that big so that's why like it seems like oh like a bear like the size of being like a small couch but like a black bear a black bear would get its ass whooped by a gorilla they're tiny i'd fight a black bear that'd be a fun fight to see (laughs) i'd fight i'd take it back i'd fight a i'd fight a cub i'd fight with the equivalent of a five-year-old black bear whatever the equivalent five-year-old human to whatever age black bear i'll fight that okay Five-year-old kid versus like a newborn gorilla. Well, that's not well. Like a young gorilla, <laughs> young enough to like fight, but like not really do much. Oh, gorilla! Every day of the week, it would snap that kid's head off. I guess if it wanted to, but did you see that video of the gorilla with the the bear or the the dog? There was a dog running around in a, in a gorilla's area, and it was, it was just like cool. It was just cool with it. Nothing to it. I'm telling you, gorillas, dude, like they're good. They're good people. I believe it. Rip Harambe. I'm a big Harambe guy. 1,300 pounds, though. Harambe was getting his ass whooped. Yeah, he probably would have. Wait till a 1,300-pound grizzly bear. Fast, aren't they? For their size? A grizzly bear? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're they're fast. I don't know if you're going to outrun it if unless you're like in prime condition. Let's see. Um. I have one that I'll leave with you guys if you want to, just because you'll probably change your mind like a thousand times. But the the legs versus eyes debate. More more legs or eyes in the world? 
Eyes. I'm going to think eyes. Like good eyes or just eyes? Just eyes. Just eyes and legs. I think eyes. Like legs, like on a chair or something? No, it has to be like anatomically like legs and eyes. I mean, more animals, like they can have four legs though, right? I know. Oh, I'm oh, for every okay. animal, I was thinking just four legs. Interesting. Okay. All right. I'm probably get legs. I've still seen a lot of three-legged dogs. Um, yeah. You, do you count a brown eye? <laughs> I mean, think about every animal. Most animals have four legs and two eyes. A lot of animals. But think about how many fish are in the ocean. No legs, two eyes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> this is like, this is the wheel. <laughs> the wheels. What was it? Wheels or doors? Is that what it was? Yeah, wheels. Yeah. Bless. Which was wheels, one thousand percent wheels. All right, I'm going. I think I'm going back to eyes. And I think it has to be eyes. The fish thing, like that's a yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot like sea trumps land. Yeah, but think about all like there's a lot like ants have six legs each, and how many there's like billions. God dang it, Joe! <laughs> <laughs> how many? I'm what's an animal that has like a billion eyes? Not many. I'm saying. Spiders, don't they? Don't spiders have a lot? Yeah, don't spiders have a lot? They, they also have, have a lot of legs. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is a dumb argument. I'm tired of thinking about this. There's like, they got I gotta play Fortnite. <laughs> I got a, I got a battle royale or a victory royale. No one said anything. New props, solo, dude. dude I nice. dominated, killing it. A bunch of bots in that lobby. I'm guessing. <laughs> Boy, don't doubt me. All right, guys, that's all we got. <laughs> I'm done thinking about. I'm still thinking about it. I'm, I'm doing my God's legs. God bless. Um, that's all we got. We'll be back. Um, maybe Sunday. It's a holiday weekend, so we'll see. Um, play it by ear. We'll keep y'all updated. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for Eric Kane for for joining us tonight. Awesome job. And uh, we're bringing the boat in, and we out.